Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Over the Top Cycling at Training Peaks in Boulder, Colorado. I'm your host, George Thomas, and have we got the panel for you tonight. Uh, quite a few members of the Rocky Mountain Cycling Club are joining us. Four who spoke with us uh, back in February when we did our pre-Paris Brest Paris show, uh, and a number of people who were actually in that audience actually ended up riding, and they all finished as well. Um, but let's start out with Bryce Walsh, Terry Gooch, John Lee Ellis, Michelle Granger. Congratulations to you four for a successful ride. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for doing this. John Lee, your silence is showing me why you're such a strong leader of the Rocky Mountain Cycling Club. Yes, thank, thank you for that endorsement. I, I have to say, first of all, that it's, it's, an, it's a great endorsement for us that everybody in the audience that we advised finished. Uh, but really, it, it's up to the writers. We had a great finishing rate. Uh, we had 20 starters, 17 finishers, and three quarters of these people were rookies. Wow. They had, yeah, and they had excellent experiences, as far as I could tell, uh, or, eat, or they haven't come out of their derangement. But uh, in any case, I'm so pleased at their experiences. And, the, and the, the veterans, including myself, speaking for myself, I had a wonderful time. How many PVPs was this for you, John? This was my fifth PVP. And Bryce, it was your fourth? Fourth, yeah. So I'll, I'll catch you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, your first. My first. And tell us what it was like for you. You were really nervous back in February. I remember that. And. Um, you were nervous in August. <laughs> I was nervous until we rolled out of the start, actually, and I, that was the best moment, or the, a great starting moment, to just finally be rolling through the French countryside, and it was extremely beautiful, and the start wasn't nearly, in my head, I kind of pictured this pinball of everyone flying around and taking everybody out and being white-knuckled, and the start was actually beautiful and, and bucolic and and scenic and and it was just it was for me the ride was great from start to finish i had a wonderful time bucolic and scenic do those make you think paris breast paris when you hear those words bryce you know i probably have a slightly different experience <laughs> <laughs> um, you know i I'm, I'm still in that that uh that phase where i keep trying to push myself to get a little bit quicker time each year uh, or each episode i should say so so yeah it um but I, I will agree that once the wheels, you're pedaling and the wheels are moving, it's, uh, all the stress disappears pretty quickly. Um, so it, does, it becomes fun then instead of all the pent-up energy that you have before these events. Now, Michelle, you were not expecting this to be your first one. You were going to be doing PBP four years ago and then actually suffered a pretty serious injury, correct? Yep. Amazingly so, and it might have been the butter, my hip, for the first time in four years, did not hurt once during PVP. Oh, wow. wow. It maybe only hurt when I was sleeping on the cot. <laughs> but for the life of me, I won't even be able to explain it to a surgeon why my hip did not hurt me the whole entire ride. That's I, I had not a single issue with my low back or my hip. First time in four years. 
It's the magic of Paris Press Paris. It's, it's the butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you were here, you were there riding with your husband, Steve Legoff, who is also here with us now. Steve, was this your first PBP experience? Yes. And you're from France originally, correct? Or at least your family is? Yes, right. And you can answer with more than one or two words <laughs> if you so desire. His family's from Brittany. <laughs> right, so we did PBP, we wrote through where I had written as, as a 20 year old. And then we came back to Paris and we took the train back out there to visit the family. And uh, it was great. The whole experience was wonderful. Just as an aside, Steve glowed from the start to the finish. I think just being in France, you just always looked so incredibly happy and At filled home. with joy. Exactly. I was, At home. I was very comfortable yeah. the whole time. And we had toured some through Brittany before, so we knew what the roads would be like, uh, each of the little towns or villages would be like. I just, I don't think what I, what I did not expect was as much fun as I had. I don't think I expected that. I expected to have fun, but I didn't expect to love everything. So speaking of fun, let's get down. Mike Turek, was this your first PBP? I was a rookie. You were a rookie. And also a rookie 1200. Oh, this was your first ever 1200. Both of us, yeah, uh, Pascal. We rode together the whole time. Oh, a little bit closer. <laughs> yep. So uh, did you stay together most of the ride? Uh, 100%. 100% yeah, of the time. He was getting tired of me. Uh, he was getting tired of me. <laughs> And Pascal, you're still sitting next to each other. I was telling my wife, actually, for three days on a half, you have to sleep, pee, and ride together. So it's actually pretty good. Most of us have a slightly different dynamic. It's much more focused than I have. So we started the conversation during the night. Like one time we met somebody who actually worked for G, my wife for G, my wife for G. Yeah, somebody from G at 2 o'clock in the morning. So it was actually good to start the conversation. Of course, Mike wanted to talk more. I wanted to keep going. But I think by myself, I would probably not have done it. So, I think so it was good for each of you to have. For me, at least, yeah, I think to actually I mean, do it together. A, he's a climber. I'm a flat sky. So there was some difference of, of, of styles and how we went up and down the hills. But it all worked out on average. For it worked out very well for us. Yeah. Same speed. Yeah. And uh, I tell you, it was five times better than anyone had told me. It was great. I mean, it's a lot more climbing. My Garmin said 41,000 feet of climbing. You <laughs> know, corrected is something like 35. And when you weigh down your bike too much, you feel more. It's not, it's not rollers anymore at that point. Um, but but the, the, fam the, the craziness in France of, of cycling, it, was, it brought tears to my eyes multiple times. Absolutely, the families and the kids. I, I got it on my list, you high five every kid. It was so much fun. So much fun. Pascal, you're obviously from Texas with that accent. <laughs> <laughs> so I was telling you the day before, actually, we went to some tiny village after the time where my great grandfather was from. So that's kind of cute. And as a kid, I spent most of my vacation in Brittany, and I did go through some of these rides. And I knew about PVP from before, but I didn't experience it the way I did. But from the French people, people actually know about PVP. But, uh, I think they, in some ways they like it even better than the Tour de France because Tour de France was maybe we stopped by for coffee or something else, they just go through. But the people from PVP, they just stop on the side, take time to take coffee and actually speak to the people. So in a way, they even like it better than the Tour de France. So they can experience the rider and all the people from all the different countries. And Ray, was this your first Paris Press Paris? This was the second PVP. Second? Yeah, I did one, I did, my first one was 2011. Tell us the difference, because you were, I believe, the fastest person from Colorado this year. Yes. Uh, they were all chasing. You had the target on your back. Everybody was out there. We're going to get Ray. Uh, no. Uh, I, part of that, I, what, I'm gonna, what I think was one of the reasons is I started with a different, I started at a different time. So the first time I did, I did the 80-hour start with a really fast group. And uh, the, unless you're really fast, you're going to end up riding through almost three nights um, and for me, that was very, I like riding through the nights, but three nights in a row is very challenging for me. And uh, so this time I started with the 84-hour group, and I, I enjoyed it a whole lot more, uh, just because I got to see more of the countryside. 
the first time I did it, everybody asked me, well, wasn't it beautiful? And I said, I don't know, I was writing in the dark the whole time. <laughs> and so, but this time it was uh, more daylight hour writing, and I got to really enjoy the countryside and the people, and uh, so it was, it was really nice. And when you go out there, are you out trying to set a, as I, fast a time as you can, or are you out there really to enjoy the bucolic beauty, as Terry <laughs> referred to it? Uh, this, this time I, I was, I, I did have a time uh, that I wanted to hit. I tried to hit under 60 hours because I'm 60 years old and I thought that would be a cool thing to, write, <laughs> to, you know, to beat my age. Uh, uh, but I didn't, didn't do it. But, uh, uh, but, but, I, but I also made sure I was enjoying you know, most of the ride as well. So, I mean, you'd look up and you'd see these beautiful church uh, steeples up on a hillside. The, the downside of that was that you knew that's where you were going. You had to <laughs> climb up to that uh, church steeple. But still, it was very, the countryside was very pretty. And the people, like uh, Mike and Pascal were talking about, were, were great. I mean, it, it was weird is at 2 or 3 in the morning, you'd be riding through a small little town, and you'd hear this. You couldn't see the people, but you'd hear the clapping. And it was just, like, wow. amazing to, to hear that. And so that part was really cool. Yeah. So the only person here who broke their age was John Lee. You did a 79, right? That's right. And, and I had half a dozen hours in the, you know, just there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so you were really helping us out a lot in the February talk with logistics and, uh, you know, places where here's where most people stop. You really should look at going here. Um, how did that work out for you? Were you able to follow your plan pretty well? I was. I followed the plan that I advised for other people and that I intended to follow. I had a good start time, you know, early in the evening, as a lot of us did. And so I did 500K, stopped early evening in Cafe, and the next night in Tintiniac, and then rode in. And for me, that worked out great. A lot of daytime riding after that first night. And then I calculated that I actually saw the entire route in daylight with the exception of maybe 20 kilometers, either going or coming. So going and coming, you, you saw the entire route. Um, my plans for eating, et cetera, worked out. I discovered like Michelle and Steve, that the sandwich jambon, the ham sandwiches, were even better than people thought they should be, and a wonderful aid to moving along the road, and, and made you feel French, too, uh, chomping on a piece of baguette while you were riding. So the plan worked out for me, um, and I feel my, uh, the just reward of doing that, totally undeserved, was that the rainy spot came after we finished. Yep. Yep. Kaching. It was like that was like check the box. No rain for me. I, I agree. I felt terrible when I woke up the next morning. It was pouring rain, but it was pretty awesome to have ridden that entire time, seventy plus hours in absolutely beautiful weather the whole time. Now you really listened to John Lee Terry and took a lot of his advice to heart. Mm -hmm. How did that work for you? It was actually a, a great plan for me. I think, again, I also had a great start time. I started after John Lee, but was able to get to Carré before dark, um, probably about 27 hours, and, um, and took my first sleep break there, and then uh, rode a shorter day the second day and got to Tintiniac and still got a decent sleep break that night. I think I was asleep for about three and a half hours, which was plenty to get me in, and then I got in to the finish by I think about 12, 15-ish. So again, I also, I, aside from the first night, I didn't have to ride very much in the dark. Um, I had more than ample lighting. You know, I, I was very, that was another thing that I was, I worried endlessly about absolutely everything. So um, I had plenty of lights to get me through. I, and the whole first night I, you know, I didn't feel tired at all. Cause again, I think just the adrenaline of the first night and it wasn't very cold and there were plenty of riders, so um, yeah, I never had any issues. And Bryce sounded like the weather was perfect. You know, uh, yeah, I think I think we we kind of deserved a, a dry <laughs> one. You know, after going through a couple of pretty wet ones the last last few few times, but uh, um, no, it was, yeah, you can't ask for more on PBT as far as the weather went. For, you know, I I froze that night. That was the one thing, but. I, 
I freeze everywhere. So that's probably oh, you're in a like down jacket right now, so. <laughs> I think it, one night I had um, I had arm warmers on and two coats, actually, while I was wow. riding through the night because I was getting that that cold at that point. So. Well, I pretty much rode in shorts and a vest and a jersey. Uh, some some mornings were actually pretty cold. Yeah. And then I was, I mean, I was buzzing the web when I came back from France and somebody like a lot, they were saying, oh, foreigners suffer from the cold, I suspect many of the people from Asia, maybe. Yeah. Oh, very much. I was much. Uh, reading some news on in the Indians, they had some articles that only 20 people out of 55 finished, and they were actually very happy with this number. So I think for us, thanks maybe to John, riding under the snow in the black forest, we were a bit more prepared for that. I, I agree, though. I did. I read also the articles in the Times of India, and they were saying torrential freezing rain. And, and I think, in that sense, we definitely benefit from being from where we're from. Why the Seattle randonneurs usually do so well? I think, yeah, I think that's a factor as well. They're, they're prepared for rain, not just with fenders, but physically. Mm -hmm. and, and they're prepared for humidity and also cooler temperatures. You know, they have both. They have to warm and cold. I, so, I think so. I think that's definitely a factor. And echoing what uh, what you pointed out, Terry and, and Pascal, the poor Puerto Ricans in 07, I think one out of 12 riders finished because their climate didn't prepare them at all. So I feel really lucky. I mean, I just pretended it was not very cold at night, and it worked out. I I had leg warmers in my thought bag as a talisman. And left them. <laughs> and, left them and left them there. So Steve, I've got to know, you have been really excited about this coming up when I've seen you at uh, some of the brevets around here. Michelle, Terry, you said you were glowing. Have you had a letdown since the ride has been over? No. I'd actually like to ask no. all of you that question. We're still in the, in the honeymoon phase right now. But today's two weeks since we all finished. So I, I'm still in the honeymoon phase. Still looking at photos, still yeah. uh, looking at the moments in the photo and how they're related to that particular moment or somebody else or something in that that, that carried all the way through the whole ride. What was the most memorable moment for you? Well, there, there's so many, it's hard, it's hard to pick one. Okay, we'll give you a moment to come I think mean, think about stopped, that one. Everybody think about that question. We stopped in Brest at the top of the hill to buy pastries and those those <laughs> ham those ham and butter sandwiches and that was amazing right there. As a matter of fact, um, that's I was riding up that hill and I heard this voice. I'm going, I know that voice. And I look over and it's, it's Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't quite gotten to the finish or to the breast and that was it was really Funny. And then the other the other thing was when we get to Brest and we turn around and we ride maybe a I don't know it was a hundred k or something, then all of a sudden there's this really sweet tailwind that just just <laughs> kind of took you towards Paris, and was just this nice reward for hitting your turnaround, you know, coming back. That was really pretty special. Michelle, any sadness that it's over? No, but because I prepare people for that, because I. I once did a 7,000 mile bike tour and I went through the lowest of lows afterwards. No, because it was in the 80s, nobody could prepare me for it. And so, and I've seen it with a lot of clients. And so I, I've always known that comes. And like Steve's saying, I think we are all still in the honeymoon phase. It usually comes within a couple months. I usually advise people to pick another fun event to do, like go do a century ride with your friends or go ride somewhere have breakfast at some fancy place in another town in the state and ride back. So you have something to kind of set your mind at because there are letdowns and you've prepared so long for something. And for Steve and I, it's eight years. I mean, we've been trying this for a while and life has just gotten in the way. Um, you revel in so much. And I think that that's, that also helps is talking with people about it and, and still reveling in it and seeing all the good out of it and recognizing that, that that low will come, but it's just life. It's like coming back from this great vacation. We, I don't think we feel it because we come back to Boulder. You know, everybody always talks about how 
great it is to live here. But, you know, it'll, it'll happen at times where, you know, what's the next best thing? I think it's why people set their sights continuously on other goals, which I think is a good thing, but I think it's also good to have that lull and, and to recognize what a great thing it was setting that goal and doing that goal. And so for me, I'm still like reveling in the fun that I had and the people I met and, and us changing our goals a little bit along the way so we would have more fun. And both would have been equally as fun. We just decided to sleep a lot more, which is almost, it's kind of the Michelle and Steve's show of sleeping a lot. <laughs> but, but we're lucky and fortunate, and we know we are, that we can pull that off. So Mike, a uh, buddy of mine, uh, Adam Morley, who I'm actually going to speak with when the Seattle Rondos are on, he actually went for a bicycle tour around Europe when, <laughs> when PVP was over. And um, yeah, have you ridden in Europe before? Is that something that's ever been appealing to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've been to France, I don't know, Denmark, or something like that. And I, I just rode a little bit, um, I think in 2006, rode up for uh, Le Brier, uh, uh and uh, pulled over Le Brier when the tour was coming through on some beach cruiser bike, um, which was kind of cool. But yeah, I'd love to. Actually, we talked about that just now, Ray. Pascal, Dave Nelson, I mean, I'd love to do like a hub and spoke thing. Um, now, after about, PBP in four years? I don't know. I mean, no, no, we're going to do it sooner. You're going to do it sooner? That's the answer to touring Europe. Yep. Right after the PBP? Yeah. No, I need to re reacquaint myself with my wife. Um, <laughs> she's been kind of a cycling widow. So uh, that was my excuse for skipping the third leg of the Triple Crown last Saturday. Did you do it, right? No. no. Yeah. But I went out on Friday with a buddy, and, and my legs just, they're still, they're still kind of hurting. I'm not, you know, I'm <laughs> still hurting. So I don't know if it's honeymoon, but it was, you know, just, just picked up riding again. Pascal, what was it like for you? You're in your homeland, and now you're back away? Are you happy you did it? For, for me, it was a bit different because I spent actually the full summer in France. So coming back, I did not, I mean, I've been working remotely. That was your letdown. But uh, <laughs> back in, it's been a bit of shock to be back in my office. But uh, for, for the ride itself, it was very neat because I did ride my bicycle when I was maybe 16 in Brittany, quite a lot actually, because I always spent my summer there. So it was pretty nice to go to some of the same little villages I went through. And definitely the people were so friendly. I mean, one lady inviting us actually inside of us. So well, very I, got, nice. I got a shout out to Pascal's parents. They you know, they put up with me for a night, and uh, they were wonderful. Just a nice, you know, elderly French couple. Fed me a lot, which made me really happy. So thank you, Pascal. So it was a good experience, definitely. And I mean, everybody says they are fun. It was fun, but it was also hard. I mean, I never, it was my longest ride. I never did more than 600. So it's definitely not easy, but it was fun too. And I think we were very lucky with the weather. We didn't have any mechanical issues. So for me, riding on the 90 hours was a big goal. I didn't want to do less than 60, but I would have been very upset to do 90.5. Less than 90, I was very, very happy. So Ray, it's going to be a lot easier for you to go back in four years and beat your age. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be shy about my fiance. <laughs> Was this close to the perfect ride for you? Did everything go well? It, um, I, had, I had a little bit of a mechanical problem. It was my own fault. But for the most part, it, it went very well. And uh, I don't, as far as a letdown, um, my fiance may disagree also. But I think I did better after this one uh, than I did the previous oh, one. You did? Yeah. yeah I, I think I felt, uh, I feel more, much more at peace now than I did after even that one. So, um, so yeah, it was it, it was great, and I uh, tried to enjoy as much as I could, you know, during the during the ride. It was fun. I mean, it's so much fun to to you'll find yourself in a pace line with people from all over the world, and uh, it's just amazing to see to experience that. You know, you'll have I had uh, a Japanese guy in front with a Dane and a and a Swede. Uh, all you know together, and I and then I think there was a Finnish guy in there, and I made some comment: "Isn't it illegal for you guys to be riding together or something like that?" But uh, but it, it was just kind of fun do, doing that. You know. So how do you fill the gap for 2016 without 
the qualifying brevets and the packing and the planning? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll I'm not sure that I'll go back and do PB. I, I definitely won't go back and try to do it fast. If I go back again, I'm, I'm definitely going to do take the full 90 hours, and I'm going to stop more, have more of the crepes on the road and the coffee, and, and really enjoy it. It was, I mean, that was kind of funny to see these t French teams of French guys go blasting past me, and then 10 kilometers down the road, they're in, in this village, and they're all standing around having uh, coffee, espressos, and crepes, and like, wait a minute, you guys just were killing yourselves to get ahead of me, and now you're stopped. And uh, do, I don't know if you, the rest of you guys experienced that or not, but it was kind of funny. The experience that is spot on Vernon because they are so much faster than we are. They keep passing us, and then they keep stopping, and they keep passing us again. It was fun to see them. We rode with a group of Portuguese one, very early one morning, and Steve and I were pace lining with them. And, all this, and we were flying, and all I could think is, like, this is probably stupid. And then they sit up at one point and go, we're buying you an espresso. And I'm like, no, no, that's okay. We've got a good pace going. We'll just keep going. They're like, no, we're buying you an espresso. <laughs> the next town we come into, we're all eating. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Pastries and drinking espressos. <laughs> Is it hard, Bryce, to get into that mindset? I mean, we've like trained so long. You don't get off your bike. You don't get off your bike. It's, it's true. Yeah. Do you, you just have to push back and go, I'm actually going to enjoy myself on this one, or you haven't been able to do that yet? You know, I, I actually was able to do that. On you this, were? On this one. So, um, Jeff Rose, is that true? <laughs> I wouldn't know if there were any Yeah, you know, on, on the return trip, I ended up, yeah, due to a number of things I had to adapt to, I had to readjust my plans, too. And um, so I actually stopped at the parties in town squares and ate there. And, um, you know, I, like... Because you normally don't sleep. I don't. And I mean, during a ride, you usually sleep like a regular human being does, but during PVP, you don't. I, I, I usually skip the sleep on these things, yeah. So, so this one I did actually sleep at a few rest stops, and I actually slept on the road at one point, too. Um, I, I, pulled the, uh, I put my head down on my arms on my handlebars and slept right there, and then woke up when the wheels started to move again a little bit. And so that was how I, it was time to get moving again. But, but outside of that, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to kind of be able to let go maybe on, on the return trip and say, you know, I stopped and, you know, had breakfast at this grocery store and I, you know, I stopped, there's an English guy that comes out, I think I've met him last time too, that brings his son and they set up a little stand by the side of the road oh, wow. and, um, you know, and talks to me about, uh, Jan, actually, he's a big, big fan of the uh, the old school steel bikes. So, um, so, so I had, a, had some good conversations like that. Too. Terry, were you able to let go and have fun and meet people? And I did have a lot of fun, actually. And I did I, for the most part, I rode with someone different between every control. So no. that was kind of a cool uh, opportunity, you know. Just you get back out on the road, and there's somebody new to ride with, and uh, you ride with a group for 15 miles or something, and then you all kind of go into the control and go your separate ways and spend your own amount of time on off the bike, and then you get back on and you meet someone else. And um, strangely enough, you know, it, it, 
it is amazing to me always how many people speak English. Um, but then there were plenty of times, you know, like starting at four or five o'clock in the morning that you'd ride up, I'd ride up to a group and I'd say, hey, is it okay if I sit in? And they would just all be like, no English, you know? And so it was kind of interesting too that there were times when you would run that, into that people. That sounds like an easy way to just kind of blow somebody <laughs> off. <laughs> right, exactly. But uh, yeah, so um, I thought that was actually, I, I thought kind of a neat part of it was that there were so, there were just, this endless supply of people to ride with, and that did make it a lot of fun. John Lee Bryce was saying, the Englishman is not, are there people or uh, people along the route that you have met throughout your number of times doing PBP that you look forward to seeing? Well, yes, in, in very passing ways. For example, I think a number of us will recall the, the roadside stand at uh, Tanier which is a little more elaborate than most. This is, you know, a family that has a roadside stand every year. Mm -hmm. And there's always writers stopped there. And they have postcards from, you know, writers. When they get home, they send postcards from where they live. And you may recall that. So I always look forward to that. And mm -hmm. people like it. And you see the same people. Uh, and Corlet, which is west of Ludiac, at the top of the hill, when you kind of want an excuse to stop, there's this. <laughs> Little card table, always with the children, and they're 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 bigger this year, and they're offering you little treats and and galette and sweets, and so I look forward to those. I, I've come to recognize mm -hmm. those little stands. Um, That's a little too five PBPs. Someone who was a little child on your first one would be twenty. <laughs> and then maybe uh, even writing it. Although of course they've seen their their uh, quota of really bedraggled writers. So right. I'm not sure if that's a thing, but it could be. It could be. And I think the other thing is, as Terry said, you meet people that you would never meet from many lands. And maybe you don't have much to talk about, but you write with them. The other thing is that you run into people that you only see every four years, that some of them are dear friends. Uh, I rode with the first day with a friend whom I'd ridden the 1200K with last year in California. That was great. We just happened to run into each other. At controls, I'd run into other like Americans that I've known for years. And you just don't see them except at 1200K events. So that's always nice. They call out or you'd say, oh, it's you and uh, Mike Sturgill from Arizona. Uh, we came into Mortania. Uh, the final day of the big hill, which gave us a chance to talk because we weren't going fast. And I don't see him because he doesn't come to Colorado events. We have to go to France to see him. <laughs> now, Mike and Pascal were sort of like a married couple for three days. <laughs> and Michelle and Steve actually are a married couple. Um, how did it affect your relationship doing a ride like this together? Did it bring you closer together? I know you, you had, there was some discussion about separate goals going on and I've been dying to ask you that. Well, what's really interesting is we were, I was riding one day and I don't even remember what it was and somebody said, oh, are you here by yourself? And I go, no, I'm with my husband. And he goes, oh, death of a marriage riding PVP. And I was like, oh, that's kind of odd. And this kind of ties in with the thing that I remember us talking about in the first podcast, Radio Talk, which is, and what everybody talks about is having your A goal. You know, what's your main goal? Which really is probably your C goal, because your main goal should really be doing it under the time you've signed up for. So it's sort of flip-flop. And you kind of base your goal on other 1,000 Ks or 1,200s you've done or 600s you've done and you multiply it and then add a few hours or something, which sort of works, but doesn't really. And we had talked in this, the first podcast about how we tell clients or we've told each other, you should have multiple goals. So if your first one isn't gonna happen, you're not so devastated you get a taxi home, you change your goals. And one of the things Steve and I, figured out pretty early on is it was about compromise. So it was a lot about life and marriage, compromise. At any given time, maybe I'm stronger, and then maybe at another time, Steve's stronger. But if we've chosen to ride together, 
as a married couple or a tandem with two bikes, which is really what we are, you have to adjust constantly. And we adjusted constantly until we found something that fit both of what we wanted to do, which was sleep a lot and go to all the cafes, but ride like crazy at different times. Being, with our skill set, we could ride in pace lines that were going, at times I thought too fast, but we were fine. And then we would stop and have coffee and pastries. And so it really was different than our first goal, which was let's do this under 74. Eh, we can probably do this under 70. But we also recognized that we wouldn't have stopped in so many cafes, so many places. We wouldn't have talked to the people that we would have talked to. And we, and we wouldn't have slept 11, 12 hours, which is unfathomable to some people, embarrassing sometimes when I think about it, but it changed the whole thing. So our first goal sort of became the third goal and the fun goal became, came to the surface. And not that you can't have fun if you do Charlie Miller or you do it in 48 hours or 50 hours or 66 hours or 60 hours, because I enjoy racing, but it's different. You have your head down and you're looking at somebody's wheel and you're not looking at the beautiful cows that have never seen a feedlot. And you're not <laughs> compromising or changing how you look at it. You're not staying in a Jeep for seven and a half hours, which I still think is embarrassing, but we did it and we tried it and it was fun and all the cafes. So having those three goals, which can be interchanged constantly, is kind of how I think it works. And that's probably why a marriage works or a tandem can work. Because you have, you have two people who at various times have very different um, uh, abilities. So that changes all your variables. Steve, would you agree with this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a man of many words. And I have to tell you, he was talking so much in the first hundred miles, I was like, man, he never talks that much. He's talking to everybody. <laughs> my, my compromise is that I have to eat about every 15 minutes, and I need sleep. We came to that conclusion. I need sleep. So I'm not built like Michelle, where I can be a successful Race Cross America finisher. I will never be that way, but that's okay. I suffer more than Michelle does in PVP by a lot, <laughs> but I'm okay with that, you know, because PVP does take you to the limit. And this year we had we had great weather, so it took yeah. one less limit out. Right. But you still get taken to the limit every time. You got to get up when you've had two hours of sleep or six hours of sleep <laughs> and get back on the bike. You know, you just have to do it. It's not comfortable, but you know you gotta keep riding, you know? And we recognize that where we have a luxury, our past experiences, bike racers, our genetics, our training with John and being in Colorado, you learn that stuff. So it's, we have the luxury of being able to change A goal, B goal, C goal, and move them around like a chessboard at any time that we feel like doing it. So, we're fortunate and we know we are. We're not, and the thing is we could have a bad mechanical and you know, you know that you're running a risk taking seven and a half hours in a house somewhere. But do we think about that risk very often? No, because it hasn't happened to us. We haven't broken a wheel after we blew away all of our extra time. So we've been very fortunate. So you run those risks. Our luxury gain also put us in a risk category. Mm -hmm. which we recognize some of the stuff we did to others might seem very irresponsible sitting in a pace line going as fast as you can go so you can go have a coffee somewhere else can be very irresponsible when a clock is ticking we we had one mechanical where my brakes were rubbing for 40 hours like locked up on my wheel and we kept looking at it thinking oh we're it's just the bag and then finally on the last day we realized what had happened and I'm like, that wasn't fair. <laughs> I didn't want that handicap. <laughs> but nothing bad happened. We weren't in a crash. So we can look back at this how glorious we weren't in a crash. We have riding abilities that maybe some people don't. We, have no, we can know things that some people don't. 
we know each other as a married couple and been training for 30 years together. That's huge. That's why I want to know how this went at this end exactly. <laughs> as, you guys came as together the new married couple. <laughs> and it's interesting that you guys are friends. I wasn't kidding about that at all um, because that can really... I'm very self-aware that there's a lot of people who get very tired of me very quickly. <laughs> You know, yeah, would you just stop talking? <laughs> <laughs> one, one night I was actually really tired at 2 I asked him to sing me a song. He did. <laughs> you did? You sang him a song? Oh, uh, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody over and over and over. Uh, wow. Come on, open it. <clears throat> oh, you want to? Yeah. You've paid your dues. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> On a landslide? No. Okay, I'll stop. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the reason we got together was because our plan was the same. It was very risky. We slept the first night. And uh, I talked to John Lee about it and Charlie Anderson, and, and they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he got a hotel. Glendo Juvella, he wanted to stay on a day-night schedule. We slept all four nights. We slept for 14 hours total. Wow. Yeah. We, slept, we spent 30 hours off the bike uh, during the ride. Um, so I, I don't know... Your time off we haven't time. figured it out. We have to put all our Garmin legs together, but we think it's 25, 30 um, hours. So that we was haven't my, put actually, it all together. <laughs> the highlight of the entire ride is I kept my Garmin charged and going the whole time. Yeah. So I loaded the whole thing. Oh. So proud of myself. That was my goal. That was the A goal. The B goal was to get as much sleep as Pascal <laughs> wanted. Like so we should have ridden with you. Should have ridden with you. Actually, we met yeah. Vern and Paul. Yeah, yeah. we kind of had the same idea. I love that your goals weren't to finish. I mean, it was to keep your Garmin going. Yeah. It was your <laughs> goal. Actually, even if we did over 90 hours loading that thing in Garmin, I've been living in the sunlight. I mean, nobody I know has done anything like, except for you yeah. know, my friends from RMCT. I, people are just like, what the hell is this? I even posted to Facebook. You know, I've got millions of people oh. looking at it. It was like, what the hell is this? You know, it, yeah, so it, it looks, you know, it's, it's a... It's a heck of a deed, but 90% of the time, except when Pascal was mad at me, um, I really enjoyed this. It was amazing, you know? But we made a deed to Charlie Anderson make a plan. Well, being an engineer, I put a spreadsheet together, guessed at all this stuff from previous rides, and we were, I mean, we were four hours off, but that was because we stopped at Drew. We weren't, in the original plan, yep. we weren't going to sleep at Drew. We were just going to push through, but it was like, why not? You're tired. Why? And then, uh, he actually, before the ride, we went to the restaurant, and then uh, Mark from Seattle said, your plan seems a little bit risky. But uh, yeah, we slept the first night, and I actually, I thought we were bragging a little bit more, too much about our plan. <laughs> and just tell said, yeah, I have a plan, but she didn't tell us anything. Yeah. But uh, the plan worked pretty good for us, actually, because I don't think I can, I'm still, I'm like Steve, I need to sleep. And we did sleep. Well, yeah, I was in charge of keeping track of where we were along the road and at the rest stops and I'd be and I was the one, you know, would be a little bit slower because I was like, oh, we're, we're <laughs> why, why? let's hang out for a little longer. But Adrian Hans in four player. years. Um, I usually, I'm kind of like Bryce, I can usually ride through the nights pretty well. And my own, probably my biggest mistake was I, that first night I was riding through, I was on my way downhill into Brest, and it was like six in the morning, and I just could not control the bike. And I said, you know, this is dumb, I need to get off the bike. So I found, it had been a pretty heavy mist, and so I had to find a tree, a place under a tree where it was dry, laid there for I don't know how long, hour and a half, something like that and then uh, woke, woke up, it was felt recharged, and then headed on into Brest, uh, you know, from there. And it was a beautiful day at that point. And it was beautiful riding into Brest. I don't you guys were there about the same time. Wow. Absolutely beautiful. The fog there. on the bridge. Yeah. And mm -hmm. So the that next night, I mean, yeah. I, felt pr I felt really good throughout the rest of the day. The next night I got, I got into, I think it was Continiac, and uh, it was about 10.30, something like that, and I was starting to feel pretty tired. And I said, don't make the same mistake. I just found a quiet place on the floor, fell asleep for a couple of hours. I'm not even sure how long I was out. I just, all of a sudden I woke up and I got back on the bike and took off again. And uh, I 
had some uh, lighting issues and stuff like that, but then once I got rolling, I was going, going pretty well from there. But, so I, I, I probably, my biggest thing would have been, I probably should have gone to sleep earlier, and I, I, I definitely would have been faster. Not, I wouldn't have been, still I don't think I would have broken my goal, but, uh, but I would have been faster if I would taken a couple more hours earlier and uh, gotten a little more sleep. I'm loaded with questions for you all, but our time is like reaching max for a podcast. So I do want to just go right down the line. And if you could, I know it's going to be almost impossible, but very quickly, succinctly, your favorite moment, their most memorable moment. Mike, let's start with you. Uh, the fig lady, the coffee stop, and just chatting in the kitchen. The fig was, lady. The, the lady with the fig tree. She gives figs and coffee. Great. And Belen Lajuel were a couple of times there. Pascal? Uh, I have a similar experience. I simply stopped at two one night on some family was on the side of the road and they gave us coffee. And apparently they knew that in Colorado now we grew other things than coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, probably riding in the breast was just absolutely beautiful. Uh, and I, I saw part of it uh, the first time but not, not as much of it this time, and so that, that was really pretty. Bryce? I think I would go with the, kind of the final bit through, there's a, I told Schiffer at one point, it's like open space, but trees. Like, yeah, I was so tired, I couldn't figure, it out, figure out what a forest was <laughs> at that point. Um, and so right as you're, you know, nearing the end, you're kind of going through this, uh, yeah, it's just a very, very beautiful sort of um, green area. Um, and I think that might be the first time I did it at the daytime as well. So that was really, really a fun, fun period. Sorry? I can't pick one. It was awesome. I had a lot of fun. The highs and the lows definitely all kind of rolled together. I mean, my butt hurt and all different kinds of things even at the end, but it was just fun. I had a blast. John Lee? Of course, Terry's right. <laughs> I, I hope you can say that about PBP. Yeah. Uh, I certainly can. I'll pick two things, though. I, the bridge coming into Brest was great. We got there at dawn with the fog. It was beautiful. That was just the time of day. It was beautiful. And then the previous late afternoon, I was riding with somebody coming through the, this avenue of trees, overhanging trees coming into Carre, and it seems like it's level, and you're going so fast because you're such athletes past these trees that are whizzing past and you're having a nice conversation. And you think, why can't it all be that way? Uh, but I was looking forward to that because it was a great time of the day and life was good and the temperature was good and you were mm -hmm. good time. And you had a lot of the events to look forward to. Michelle? Of course, everything everybody has said. Um, but I think having, it, we all do randonneuring. And it, this is so different and such an experience. And I constantly thought about being on this pilgrimage with so many like-minded people where we all would have said the same thing if somebody said, why are you doing this? Because we want to see if we can do it. And yet knowing that you're doing this pilgrimage to breast and back, sometimes then align with other people and knowing that every single person had a different reason why they were doing it and, and what they were getting out of it. And, and that's incredible to be part of a mass of people, a mini town, and know that that's going on and have it so different than any other randonneuring event. Steve? For me, it's, I, I think it's three things. And um, I agree with what everybody said, but for me, the first and foremost is having a partner as great as Michelle with the skill and the, the riding level that that she could ride at <laughs> to enable me to just like like follow her for 1200 kilometers was just stinking phenomenal the second thing was the thousands of times I heard an adult or a child say bon courage, yes. bon courage. and my my family survived two world wars in uh, this past century. And I know what that term means. It means that you are doing something that we admire. It's not just saying you're doing great. 
It's, we admire you for doing that because this is something that is phenomenal. And every time I heard that, I understood what it meant. And the, the last thing was, is what a phenomenal ride we had just about 15 to 20 kilometers before Dreux, where we came upon this guy, Philippe, uh, who's 100% French, no English, absolutely zero words. And to be able to, to ride with him and no helmet, uh, no clipless pedals, uh, steel <laughs> French bike, bike um, 69 hours he did this in. His first sleep break was at 800 kilometers. And he rode through the night, both nights, and slept at 800 kilometers. And we came upon this guy. Uh, actually, Michelle and I came, came upon him, and it seems like we became great friends just because we had something in common that just clicked because of PVP. And to me, this is, this is phenomenal. And so these are, these are the three great things for me that will stick out forever. John Lee, I'd like you to summarize in our conclusion, Rocky Mountain Cycling Club did an awfully great job out at PBP. You've got to be uh, feeling good about this group of people. I do feel great because I think individually people are very happy with their rides now that the sore spots have healed and that they feel the PBP was special and maybe some of us will come back and do it again and it will all be, all be different and uh, magical in its own way. Uh, in, the, in the spring, I was just hoping that people could work out a plan, whether it was a sleep early and often plan, <laughs> <laughs> or some, or, you know, don't sleep at all, or maybe get a nap, or whatever, that would work for them, and that they would enjoy the event. And I'm so happy that they did. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like People achieved their goals and had a great time. So congratulations. Well, to all. I would like to say that I think Go right ahead. a big reason that we were so successful is John Lee. Yeah. And yes, and what he does and for John the John puts up with a lot yeah. from us. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I know over the years he's put up a lot from me. And uh, but so I, I think that's a he's a big reason for us, us being so successful. Yay, John. Rocky Mountain Cycling Club <laughs> Training Peaks in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.